All right. Uh, according to Scott's outline, as we're looking at Jesus uh, or, or the prequel to Jesus, um, according to that outline, today is slated for Jacob and Esau, uh, which is a rich story. And it's only about eight chapters of Genesis, so, so no, no problem. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that covered in the next 35 minutes for yeah, sure. I think it might be important. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. If we're measuring by, by bulk, that's a good, good chunk of Scripture. Uh, let me start with a prayer, and then we'll, we'll get into the text. <coughs> Father, we thank you for uh, all the ways that you bless us, for calling us to your kingdom, uh, to, be, uh, to be men of, of you, to be your people. And so I pray that you would give us courage to do that uh, in our day-to-day activities, um, not, not only when we are looking for a service opportunity or a, or a church function, but I just pray that we would be marked by you, that in our meetings this week, in our, in our lunches, uh, when uh, our boss is frustrated with us, when we're frustrated with, with people we're leading, I pray that you would mark those conversations, that you would make us people of peace, uh, people, um, people who uh, exude your love uh, and your way of being in the world. Father, we pray uh, this morning that as we look at this ancient story of Jacob and Esau, uh, we pray that you would uh, make it be fresh to us. This is a story that we know well, um, so we pray as we dig in that you would show us something new, uh, show us uh, something that relates to our lives, that we could take this and uh, let this be a, a seed of motivation for us this week as we strive to be uh, men for you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so we'll, we're going to start um, with a little bit of audience participation. Okay, so uh, this is just a show of hands. So first of all, who is a brother in the room? That is, do you have a sibling? Okay, so one, two only children. Do you have a sibling? Yeah. Okay. Two men here. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Just in, in general. Oh, okay. All right, we won't, we won't tell your sibling that you almost wrote him off. <laughs> okay, uh, who of you have a brother? Which I don't. I only have a sister. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine-ish. Dale, are you an only child? Yes. Dale's an only child. That's what I thought. Um, okay, uh, raise your hand if you have a younger brother. Okay, so we have two guys who are older brothers in the room. Raise your hand if you have a, an older brother. Okay, and then the balance, about seven of you are younger brothers. Uh, and anybody, nobody's in the middle as far as brothers go. Okay, so seven younger brothers, two older brothers, and then a few other of us, others of us have a sister or more sister. Were you gonna say something? No. Okay, all right, uh, so. I just want to kind of keep that in mind as we move through this story. Um, There's a lot to be said about that sibling relationship, whether it's with a sister. um, But I think it's, uh, I I don't know, because I don't have a brother. I think it's 10 times as deep and rich if if you have a brother. Um, to, To unpack all the dynamics there, certainly there's birth order implications. If you're first... Uh, you know, you, you are going to, as you're growing up, you're going to, you're going to beat that little brother at whatever you're doing, uh, 99% of the time. I have two boys and a, and a daughter. Uh, so I've got a 16 year old boy and a, uh, 13 year old boy. And, uh, my 16 year old happens to be big, has always been big for his age from the day he was born. You know, they measure your head circumference and they measure height and 
and weight. And he was like 99% height, 99% weight. And then they measure the head circumference and they're like, oh, he's not even on the chart. <laughs> so anyway, he's just always been a big guy. And Ethan, my younger son is just average sized. So, but Ethan is the competitive one. And that maybe that's a function of, of the brotherly relationship too. But the younger one is the competitive one and is always trying to get Isaac to beat Isaac, my older son. And it's tough. There are a few things that Ethan can uh, get him in, but uh, of course, Isaac was always pretty smart. He was just always avoid those activities that he thought, well, Ethan might beat me at this, so let's just, we're not gonna do that. But now Isaac is finally sort of getting a little bit more mature. Uh, Eric, I have, a, I have an illustration yeah. from my experience. I have, I have an older brother. Okay. Like fisticuffs? Uh, Close. Mostly wrestling. Okay, but there was physical contact. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and the significance about that fight is I tell people that the, uh, the first fight I won with my brother was the last one we ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly right. He got kind of soft in college. And That's right. And from then on, he wasn't going to. That's the only one I ever <laughs> yeah. yeah. He curtailed that real quick. All right. <clears throat> yeah. That's funny. Man, That's it wasn't over breakfast. It was a 2 o'clock in the morning basketball game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, Not that you remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember exactly. <laughs> he remembers the play that started the fight. Um, does any, but this is a little bit of a, a twist. Has anybody had, you know, certainly there's lots of competition. Has anybody... Um, has there ever been a girl involved? Anybody with a brother who ever liked the same girl that was, there was a little, okay, maybe there was enough age spread or enough wisdom there to not. That's but, a concern of ours because of the twins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, especially. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah, especially for boys the same age, twins, Jacob and Esau. So a few other brothers that we may know, <laughs> Belushi guys. Uh, I, I never saw this movie. This is uh, Step Brothers, actually. I guess um, Will Ferrell and what's the other guy's name? Oh, Riley. Yeah. Riley. Um, I guess somehow they end up as Step Brothers and antics ensue. Uh, these guys are pretty famous right now. You may not know them, but your, your wives may. Uh, these guys are on HGTV. They're the Property Brothers. I think Rick knows them pretty well. Oh, do you? Yeah. They, they, they did our house this summer. And really? Karen and I, our show, I think, was supposed to be on, I think, early November. Is that right? Um, okay, yeah, cool. I knew, they, I knew they had been in Nashville, but I didn't know they did y'all's house. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so you can get your autographs. Yeah, yeah, That's it, right. It, 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 it was an interesting experience. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. All right, so that's... Yeah, you need to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
it never says anything. Don't done. worry. It's set up on our house to record everything. Good, good. Okay. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's permanent. Well, that's interesting. That could be like a whole class. We could just watch that show and study all the dynamics there. All right. So those are the Property Brothers. Uh, this is a show. I think it was on HBO. I never saw this either. But Band of Brothers uh, was, I think, World War II. Is that right? World War II story. So obviously these guys are not, uh, you know, brothers by blood, but become brothers through through war. Um, these are the two first brothers we see in Scripture, Cain and Abel. Uh, and there are hints of Cain and Abel. We're not going to look at Cain and Abel's story, but there are hints of Cain and Abel's story present in, in Jacob and Esau and other brother texts in, in Scripture. So uh, we already talked about who, who we have as brothers. So like I said, um, there is a ton of text here. It starts Genesis 25 and goes through Genesis 33. We're not going to have time to read all eight chapters, obviously, but we are going to read a pretty good chunk. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. <clears throat> um, I'd like to try to read uh, these texts in yellow, if, if possible. Um, just to give you a, a little bit of background, Jacob and Esau, of course, are born to Isaac. Um, Isaac is the son of Abraham and Sarah. So if you remember the story, uh, Abraham is called by God to, to go off into a far land. Uh, Abraham doesn't even know who God is really, but exercises tremendous faith and follows that call. Uh, Jacob, or I'm sorry, uh, I, Abraham and Sarah um, are already pretty old and without children. And, and God makes this great promise to Abraham uh, in chapter 12 that he will have many descendants. And they don't understand that. And they eventually kind of laugh at that promise. But finally, Isaac is born. Isaac means laughter. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, Isaac uh, has his own life, grows up and, and gets married, and eventually has Jacob and Esau. So let's, let's uh, pick up in chapter 25 here. Does someone read 21 through 28? Go ahead. All right, thank you. Um, so we have this birth. Um, the names are significant. I'll, I'll put this up here just as an FYI. Um, Esau, <clears throat> it says, uh, means the hairy one, uh, but, but also um, 
they also called him Edom. So sometimes you'll see Esau referred to as Edom. Uh, in fact, later you'll hear a lot about the Edomites. Those are all the descendants of Esau. So anytime you read about Edom or the Edomites, connect that to Esau. Okay? And that, uh, the, the Edom word means red. That's, so I don't know why he was red and hairy, but he was. So in Hebrew, um, you have uh, this means Edom. It goes right to left. But that's very similar to Adam. So Aleph, Dalet, Mem is, is the word for Adam, you know, the, the name of Adam in, in the very beginning. And, uh, and so that's also red. Uh, dom, just the last part of that, Dom is blood, which connects to red. Um, it also means uh, ground or earth, which, of course, Adam came out of, out of the earth. So there's all kinds of connections there. So we tend to kind of think about Jacob. <clears throat> and, and Esau just kind of gets um, cast aside. We just don't ever come back to Esau. But Esau, we're going to find out, is the one who is generous in this story. Um, <clears throat> there's, a, there's surely a way to read this whole story where Esau kind of becomes the hero of the text. Um, <clears throat> so it's important to kind of keep, you know, let Esau have his place. Obviously, he's the firstborn. Jacob, uh, you sometimes hear called Yaakov. Um, which uh, means ankle because he was holding Esau's ankle, so they called him ankle. But also it becomes, later it, it means liar. So like if you want to call somebody a liar in Hebrew, you call him a Yaakov. Um, and we find out why, why that gets connected here in a minute too. Jacob, Jacob uh, is, is not forthright in dealings with his father. So, okay, so um, Esau and Jacob are born. Uh, it's significant to note that you know Esau is the hunter, and so that resonates with his dad. And I'm sure they're out uh, on the back forty quite often hunting and and looking for game. Uh, and Jacob is not. Jacob stays. He's more of the city boy. He stays at the tents with with mama. And so I think what happens is he's kind of the mama's boy, and um, and and we see that favoritism play out in the story. Okay, uh, would someone continue twenty nine through thirty four? So we often kind of confuse this with what happens later where Isaac uh, is confused by Jacob and uh, Jacob's going to get the blessing from, from his dad, Isaac. But uh, this is a totally separate incident. And, uh, you, know, you know, Jacob doesn't really, there's no real trickery going on here. He's just kind of leveraging the fact that Esau is apparently famished. Um, and so... You know, he's not dishonest, but he, but he kind of does take advantage of the situation. Um, so, so that kind of sets up this uh, dynamic of competitiveness and, and distrust. And, um, and I'm sure that, you know, before this point, I'm sure other things had happened, but, but that's a significant event in their relationship. 
Um, all right, we're going to skip 26 and go on to 27. And I'm going to read um, a big chunk here. This is, this is really the, the meat of the story where uh, Jacob gets Isaac's blessing. So, you know, obviously it was in the ancient Near East culture, it was a big deal um, to get that blessing from the father. And obviously, <coughs> normally, the firstborn male is the person that gets that blessing and, and all that goes with it. It's more than just words. It's more than just um, a, a blessing of, of encouragement. You know, it goes beyond that. There are financial implications um, and all kinds of things. And so that should rightfully go to Esau. <clears throat> but uh, Jacob is going to uh, swoop in on that. So 27.1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now, now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebecca, who we know favored uh, Jacob, right? Because Jacob was always amongst the tents hanging out with mom. Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and, and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm, I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. It's interesting that he doesn't, he doesn't mind the tricking. He just doesn't want to get caught. <laughs> you know, he, he just says, I, I, he, doesn't have a, he doesn't seem to have a problem with dishonesty. He just doesn't want to get busted. Uh, his mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say, go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought, brought them to his mother, and she, she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which he had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands with, and, and the smooth part of his neck with, with the goat skins. And then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of, of the game so that uh, you, may ha you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? So he's, you know, immediately suspicious, right? Um, it makes, makes you wonder, you know, he didn't, he didn't say, oh, wow, that was, a, that was a great successful hunt. You went out and found food immediately. His first question, he's suspicious. Uh, apparently... You know, it just wouldn't surprise me if he knows Jacob uh, in such a way that he he doesn't think this is out of the bounds of possibility that Jacob might try to try to pull something. Uh, let's see. Uh, where was I here? Uh, verse twenty-two uh, or twenty-one. Uh, then Isaac said to Jacob, "Come, come near, so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not." Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are, are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. 
Are you, are you really my son, Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I, I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he, he brought some wine and he drank. It's always good when you're tricking somebody to go ahead and give them a little bit of wine to curtail any judgment. Uh, then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't, it, isn't he rightly named Jacob? Referring to the, to the liar meaning of Jacob's name. <clears throat> he has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, which wasn't total deception, but Esau perceives it that way. And now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with new grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from your neck. So, uh, that's how it goes for Esau. And so that sets the course of his life. Again, remember, the the blessing isn't just uh, spoken words, although there are are certainly power in, in the spoken word. But there are financial uh, implications that go with that. So, and, and there's the whole ordering. So in his words, Isaac has reordered his sons, essentially. Um, and so that's obviously detrimental to, to Esau. All right, any, any observations there? Any comments, reflections? Scott would say, what do you hear? I know that's a story that's familiar to us, but... Um, hopefully I'm just struck by you know the deceitfulness of both of the boy's mother yeah yeah you know, that she really was playing favorites she really you know just had you know, just this overabundance of love for one and I don't, cont- yeah. I don't I call it what you want contempt uh-huh. of Willingness to deceive, uh, call it what you want. Um, uh, incidentally, I was raised by I had the same, me and my brother had the same mother, but I was raised by my stepdad. Okay. And a similar thing happened. My mother loved me, 
as her first son. Mm-hmm. And me and my brother, you know, essentially have never gotten past it. Mm-hmm. Every time we try to reconcile, he says, oh, but you were mother's favorite. You know, and you just go, wow. You know, I, I've never had kids, but when I watch people with kids, I go, you do not know. You know, what you're doing to them by engaging in behavior that's not, you know, equal among your children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's part of the unwritten part of this story. I think Esau, you know, obviously he's disappointed that he doesn't get the blessing. He's mad at his brother for doing this, but surely he's got to be heartbroken that his mother played a role in that. Uh, And that's got to affect your identity you know, for the rest of your life, that, that you know, that your own mother would, would do that to you, that she would choose someone else, especially a younger brother that you've been competitive with, you know, but, um, but that's tough for sure. Dennis? Yeah, I have a daughter and son, and they used to come to me whenever something didn't seem quite equal, and they'd go, hey, but how come they got that and I didn't get it? And I'd go, well, because I love them more, I said. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> they write that off quick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Being fair in a household of multiple kids is a big deal. Uh, we just took a little road trip this week and my kids, my kids don't care about seeing any part of the country. They just love the road trip because we have candy in the car and that's really their whole primary existence is all about the candy. You've got to get the candy, but, but you've got to have fair and equal distribution of the candy or war ensues. So, yeah, I mean, any, anytime there are multiple children, being fair and equitable is, is tough for sure. And, of course, as a parent, you just say, well, things aren't fair. You know, you can, you can try to make things fair, but it's a never-ending battle. So you just try to instill in them, life, life isn't fair. Sometimes life is not like, like, like that. Well, I tell you, being, being a grandparent, I've got five grandsons. Huh. And, uh, you know, truthfully... The first grandson, grandchild, grandson, you know, there's a special bond there. But, you know, Karen and I, we really work at being intentional to spread it to to all of them. Yeah. One's an infant, so he didn't care what the other boy, you know, know, and and they recognize it. Mm -hmm. And, 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 And it's work to... Try not to differentiate. Right. You know, so, yeah. When you buy five Christmas presents, you have to decide: okay, does everybody get the same number of presents, or is it a dollar value? You know, how do you keep that yeah. <laughs> equitable for sure? Yeah. 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 What's interesting the, to me is all the fairness comments. We always go to her. These blessings are nowhere near the same. Yeah. I mean, oh, so, I, I mean, I know it was cultural. I assume it was cultural. Yeah. Uh, but he gave. His intention was to give Esau everything mm-hmm. and, and to give Jacob virtually nothing. Right. Now that flip-flopped. And so we're like, wow, Jacob got away with this. Yeah. He was a liar. He was, <clears throat> he was deceitful, yada, yada, yada. And then we say, man, the mom, how did she play favorites? Why don't we ever come back to him and say, hey, number one son, I'm giving you everything and you get Jack. Yeah. I mean, that was his plan. Yeah. And, but we never, I've never heard it talked about other than, right. well, the firstborn, they just come with the right of being the firstborn. Yeah. Well, 
and then we all talk as parents about well let's treat them all equal and, and I'm I got three kids trust me I understand the whole equal thing um, or maybe I don't but all right. part of the problem but we never come back to him and go man this, he didn't save any blessing mm-hmm. and to me there's other stuff he could have blessed Esau with that he didn't give to Jacob but he doesn't mm-hmm. he says you're going to be separated from you're going to be mm-hmm. separated from the heavens. Have a great life. Yeah, it's almost more of a curse than uh, a blessing. Yeah. So, to yeah. me, I think he gave Esau the best he could give him based on what he thought, <coughs> what blessings he could hand out. Right. <coughs> but his intention was to do that yeah. just the other way around. So, I don't, was it that? I mean, being the second kid is awful. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think what would normally happen is, uh, had it gone the right way, where Esau got the big blessing and Jacob essentially got nothing, Jacob wouldn't have been left destitute. He just would have been part of Esau's house, and so the the name and the lineage would have gone through Esau's line, uh, but instead it goes through Jacob's line, which is a big deal, obviously. But so yeah, it's a it's a cultural thing, which to our Western way of looking at it doesn't seem fair at all. Dale? Uh, just a thought other than what I was going to say originally. Um, in our house, we, we deal with this fairness issue a lot. And as time has gone on, we've kind of developed the attitude of it all evens out. Yeah, I take Clay to Starbucks today. I'll probably take Holt next week. I'll probably take Seth the following week, probably. But it all evens out. I can't take all of you to Starbucks every two weeks. Logistically alone, it doesn't right, work. Right. <clears throat> but in the same way with Christmas, I mean, there, there's no way you can take the same six. You know, you can't give your kid the same six presents. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's always going to be one year one has five, or one year one has seven, or you know, you, yeah. And they're all going to be different different presents, so they're all going to be perceived with different right. values. Right. So <clears throat> that's a that's a <clears throat> losing game. Absolutely. And uh, that's what we've kind of tried to instill in our house. I don't know how successfully, but um, what I was going to say about the text is uh, it impresses me that J- uh, Jacob's faith is, well, I gave him new wine because he blessed him to have new wine. In his mind, he says, you're going to be getting new wine. So I have that impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. one of the scriptures that's also kind of pivotal in this is uh, chapter 26, verse uh, 34. It says, When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Barry the Hittite, and also Basmuth, daughter of Elon the Hittite. And they were a source of great grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of those things where, you know, he, he started the strife that caused his mother to say, I don't want the blessing to go to these women. Yeah, possibly. Well, and if, if you read further back, he did that intentionally. Like the only reason he married them was to spite his parents because he didn't. Well, and because he didn't. Right. But he knew he hears them say uh, to not marry those uh, Canaanite women. I think it refers to them or, or Hittite women earlier in the chapter. And so he goes and finds um, a couple of women, which is a whole nother class, all the polygamy stuff. But. Um, <clears throat> but he does that intentionally just, just to get their goat, so to speak. Okay, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I think his his word is like a contract. Once it's spoken, um, you know, it's like closing on a house. You don't go get you don't get to go back to the attorney a week later and be like, oh, you know what? We didn't know that the neighbor had a loud dog. We don't we don't we want out. And I, I think um, once he spoke it, it was there was not his hands were tied. And I think he's grieved about that. You know, he says he was, trembles, um, but I, that that horse is out of the out of the barn. There's nothing nothing he can do at that point. All right, uh, let's 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 go on. Um, let's kind of s- summarize here. So Jacob uh, ends up fleeing to Laban. He knows that he can't stay here with his family because he's he's burned that bridge. Um, and then we're not going to read these next four chapters. But remember, as he's traveling, uh, the reason Jacob is going to Laban is is to find wives. Uh, on the way, Jacob has the dream with the ladder and the angels ascending and descending. Finally, Jacob marries Leah and Rachel, the daughters of Laban. There's a whole story that goes with that. He's, he works for Laban for a total of 20 years. Uh, part of that was indentured servitude to get the wives. Um, and then Jacob has a family and prospers. Even in that, he, he uses some deceit. He, uh, he's the flock manager for Laban. And he's given a flock from Laban, but then he breeds the flock in such a way that his flock becomes stronger, and, and Laban is kind of left out of all of that. Um, and so he kind of, you know, breaks his relationship with Laban a little bit. Um, and once Laban realizes that, uh, Jacob sees what's coming, and so Jacob again runs. Uh, Laban pursues him, finds him, and says, "What's up? You know, why are you?" Why are you treating me like this? I, I've given you a job. I've given you my daughters. We're part of the same family. Why would you do that? And Jacob just kind of says, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have a good answer. Um, so anyway, uh, Laban is gracious and makes peace with Jacob. Uh, and so now Jacob is, uh, has burned the bridge pretty much with Laban. He's taking uh, Laban's daughters, uh, Leah and Rachel, back home in, in chapter 32. But he's fearful of Esau. Right, because the way he left things with Esau wasn't in good shape. So look at verse 3 real quick. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, uh, the country of Edom. That's, Edom's, uh, that's Esau's country. He instructed them, This is what you're to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, men servants and maidservants. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers uh, returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and, and the herds and the camels as well into those two groups. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. This is how Jacob lives his whole life. He's always cunning. He's always trying to figure out how can I manipulate this situation. So even as he thinks Esau is bearing down on him, he's thinking, okay, what can I do? I'll split, split my household in two. Esau will kill one of those two and thinks he's destroyed me and the others will escape. I don't know which household uh, Jacob was going to... Well, I, actually, I do know Jacob was going to stay with uh, uh, Rachel's household, I'm sure. Uh, he loved her the most. Okay, um, then there's this weird story in the end of 32 where Jacob wrestles with some man, and we don't know who that is, but it seems like it's God. In fact, Jacob uh, names the place uh, Peniel, which is the face of God. And uh, this man, or God, who's wrestled with him, injures his hip. 
uh, but also changes Jacob's name. And now Jacob becomes Israel, uh, which the whole rest of the Old Testament and even in the New Testament is, is based around the story of Israel. Um, and then finally, we have the, the reuniting of Jacob and Esau. This is the last bit of the story here. So 33, 1 through 4. Uh, Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And there's a whole backstory there we, we skipped over. He put the maidservants and their children in front. He put Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph. Rachel, uh, Joseph is Rachel's son, which is why Joseph is the beloved son. Uh, Rachel and Joseph are in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And then it goes on. We're, we're not going to read all of that. But it's this beautiful story of forgiveness and reconciliation. And Jacob is saying, look, I've wronged you. You know, I'm not, I'm not worthy. Uh, I, I can't. Let me give you uh, all of these flocks and all these servants. And Esau says, I, I don't need that. I, I've got plenty. You're welcome here. You're my brother. Um, and it's just, it's just very gracious. So let's transition. As we think about... Um, Jesus in his ministry. This is a story that is formative to to the entire culture when Jesus is in his ministry. He's always preaching and teaching, and as preachers do, they use biblical texts. So I'm sure Jesus would have preached this story many times. But as preachers do, they kind of look at texts in fresh ways. So here's the question. Can you think of a time when Jesus may have told a story about brothers and, and kind of used some of these uh, facts of this story, but may have turned it in a, in a fresh way. The prodigal son. I think the prodigal son is a story of Jacob and Esau that Jesus is telling in a fresh way. Um, we don't have time to read the prodigal son, Luke 15. Um, but in both stories, there are the three major players. There's the father and the two sons. The blessing and inheritance is a critical part of both stories. You're, you're familiar with the prodigal son. The younger st- son wants his blessing right away. Um, in both stories, the younger son seeks advantages from the father using dishonorable methods and succeeds. Uh, in both stories, the younger son is estranged from, from the father and, and the brother, goes off to a far land. Uh, the older son remains at home with the father in both stories. The younger son becomes a herder in a far-off country in both stories. Uh, the younger son finally decides to return home, but is afraid how he'll, he will be received, right? Think about the, the prodigal son thinking, I can go home and at least be a servant in my father's household. Um, the similarities keep going. Uh, there's a uh, divine visitation that happens. We get a little uh, preview of what's going on in the father's life as he's awaiting his son's return and the prodigal son. Uh, and of course, we have the story where Jacob is wrestling with God right before he returns home. So that seems to be a parallel there. Um, the younger son, and here's, here's the key verse, I think. Um, in both stories, when the younger son comes back, we see this picture of of the, the person greeting him, running to them, hugging them, and kissing them. And that's the only time in Scripture that that kind of trifecta shows up, is in this story 
and in the prodigal son. You remember the father running to his son, embracing him, kissing him, and then even you know, putting sandals on his feet and a ring on his hand. Um, and so I think when, when Jesus is telling the prodigal son and he mentions that trifecta, I think the listeners would have thought, oh, he, he's talking about Jacob and Esau. Because it's such a unique combination. They would have, known, they would have recognized that, I think. Um, and, and then there are other parallels, too. Um, you know, there's the reconciliation um, and then the story. Each story is critical to its own community and, and how they retell it. So um, here are, here's kind of a visual of, of the parallels there. The younger brother, of course, and the prodigal son matches up with Jacob. Um, a couple of themes, and then, and then we'll be done. Uh, there's this, this thought of vengeance versus forgiveness. Esau had every right to be vengeful. He had 400 men. He could have gone out there and, and killed Jacob and taken his household and would have been just in doing so. I don't think anything in the old law would have prevented that. Um, I think we could have read that story as one of the other Old Testament stories and been like, oh, that, that's what happened. You know, Jacob was deceitful. Esau finally uh, got him back. But somewhere along the lines, uh, even before Jacob leaves, Esau does in fact say, as soon as my father is dead and I'm done grieving, I'll, I'll kill him. I'll, I'll kill that guy. And so that was his intent. But somewhere in those 20 years, his heart softens. Now, hopefully it wasn't in year 19. Hopefully he didn't live with bitterness for 19 years because that's one thing we know about vengeance and forgiveness. If I have a grudge against Caleb and Caleb leaves and goes on, that grudge is burning me up. Not, not Caleb. It doesn't hurt Caleb. So hopefully Esau realized that and thought, I need to release this, not for Jacob's benefit, but, but for my benefit. And that, I think that's something that benefits us to, to learn. And that's a, that's a difficult thing for sure. But I think that uh, improves our own lives when we're able to forgive others and let vengeance go. There's also this theme of scarcity versus abundance. Um, and I've been, just in my own walk, have been thinking a lot about this lately. Um, and, and I think it, it can permeate uh, how you think about your job. You know, if, if there is a promotion to be had, uh, do you think about that as, I want to be the person to get that promotion, so therefore I'm willing to push other people down so that I can, that, so that I can rise to that promotion? Um, or do you take the, the thought of, you know, a high tide lifts all boats. And if we all continue to work together, uh, yeah, somebody's going to get a promotion, but the whole team uh, will, will be better. The whole group uh, improves. Um, and that, that can run through, through anything. That can run through uh, your marriage. I guess that means class is over. The microphone just fell off. Um, I, I think this can run through uh, your marriage, scarcity versus abundance. This can run through your own personal finances. This can run through... Um, the way you spend your time is a big thing I've, I've been thinking about a lot in the last few months. Scarcity versus abundance. Um, so, uh, you know, those things show up in the story. Apparently, uh, Isaac only has the one blessing, and so it seems scarce, and that's what causes the contempt. Instead of doing what, what Greg was alluding to, why, why does it have to be like that? Why can't... Isaac figure out a way to bless both of his sons and, and bring, bring everybody along. And yeah, we can say, well, that was a cultural thing. But why was it a cultural thing? And, th- and that plays out in our culture too. Our culture is, um, rallies around this idea of scarcity constantly. And that's fear-driven, fear-based. 
but eventually, hopefully, we get to a place uh, of abundance. Yeah, Dale. I think, uh, this is something I've studied and think about scarcity versus abundance. I think our our culture is uh, has a scarcity mentality about a lot of things, especially time. Yeah. Uh, people think that you know they just don't they don't have enough time. Right. So you see that manifested in you know uh, how people drive and how yeah. people uh, what they prioritize. Prioritize the quick fix versus the long, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think that kind of plays roles in the in the Bible as well. Um, so, but thanks for bringing that up. It's, it's a yeah, it yeah, that, that's a that's the perfect example. So, yeah, great. I'm amazed too that uh, when I even look at Jacob, I'm thinking he is not going to be the most logical guy that we look at and say the blessings of God will go through him. When you see all the things that he does, right. and the mother that he has, and the father that's mad at him, and the brother, you know, and the ear God, again, blesses us through him. So he can use anybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like Jacob is not going to be picked the most popular guy to hang out with. because look, I mean, he's got all these things going against him, and God still blesses us through his yeah. line. And, and we are so hard on ourselves when we make one mistake. But this is a guy that is, we're not going to take him out to Martin's for barbecue. Right. He's, we don't want to be around him because we're going to be scared. Yeah. He's going to. About what he's going to do next. Well, the, when the check comes, he's going to get up and leave and well, you're going to be paying them. That, yeah. you know, That's so what he's going to do. It's like it gives me hope that God can continue to work through me yeah. no matter what has happened to me what I've done because right. God is not going to hold that against me. He yeah. continues to work through me in a way that will be a blessing to, to somebody or somebody, you know, somebody else. Yeah, yeah God, in, script, in Scripture, God is always using broken people. It's almost like those are the only kinds of people he has to work with or something. Um, yeah, Dale, give us the last word. I noticed that whenever, whenever they met and they hugged and everything, Esau tried to send some of his men with, with uh, Jacob. And Jacob said, no, I'll, I'll come to Seir, I guess his home. But he didn't. He didn't go there. He went someplace else. <laughs> yeah, he just. He's like, I'll be there soon. Yeah. He went to Sukkot. He has a hard time. All right. Well, hopefully, this was so much text. It's hard to really get into this. But hopefully, you can kind of let these marinate. Think about scarcity and abundance this week. Think about how you're spending time. Um, and then, if there are things that you need to be working towards forgiveness on, that's not necessarily a one-time event. But, but be working towards that. And then also this week, you might kind of. Go on and, and read Luke 15, read the, read the prodigal son and give some reflection. I hit some highlights, but there's a, there's a lot of interesting ties there. So, All right, Scott, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Uh, if you haven't given blood yet, we can still do that? Absolutely. Until 2 o'clock. All right, till 2 o'clock.